What is going on, guys? This is Gabe. And this is Matt. And this is the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And today we are going to be discussing the new Rise Against album, Nowhere Generation. Uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Uh, talk, tell me about what, uh, what your first impressions are on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this record, which uh, officially released June 4th of this year, so actually just a couple of weeks ago, um, I got to say, I'm no expert on Rise Against, but this sounds a lot like what I've kind of come to expect from listening to singles on the terrestrial radio like the normie I am. Um, the big difference I notice is Tim, uh, who's the vocalist, he's, he's actually, instead of doing the kind of rapid fire vocal style that we've typically seen, is he's singing a little bit more and he's kind of dragging the words out as opposed to just the very like, you know, just go, go, go as he's kind of, you know, holding everything out. Um, so that was something I appreciated. Yeah. Well, the, uh, for me personally, the, the album is good. Um, but it's the same rise against, like it's the same lyrical content. It's the same musical patterns. If I were to line this up with their album, like Endgame, for example, like mm -hmm. they're basically the same album with just slightly different things. And, yeah. uh, like I understand that if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but it might be due for an upgrade after about nine albums. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> and, like, we, we talked ex pretty extensively on the Era record about evolution. And, um, you know, like, we, we see a little bit of the evolution, again, in, like, Tim's uh, vocal style and kind of how mm -hmm. he's dragging stuff out. But outside of that, there's really nothing new being brought to the table by this one. Yeah, and actually, that's a good segue to, like, the musical impressions here. Like, I have here in my notes... Slow down rhythm, likely the chorus. Then the guitar break with the drums doubling the tempo like a typical punk beat. High energy verse. Short pre-chorus, rehash into riff into chorus with anthemic chorus. Second verse, instrument break into full instrumental verse. Wash, rinse, and repeat. <laughs> I have written you a Rise Against song. <laughs> yeah. No, and the, the note I have here is this band is basically a pop punk band trying to be a radio rock band. Or it's a radio rock band trying to be a pop punk band, and it's hard to really determine which of the two that Rise Against actually is. So Rise Against really does have like more punk roots, and they mm -hmm. uh, ventured more into like the the radio friendly rock kind of vibe. Yeah. But like they're at the core of everything that they do, they're still very much punk. Yeah, and you and definitely so, like, see I'll, that throughout the record. Yeah, and I'll always have respect for them for that. Like they're they've never swayed on their their political views, which is usually pretty characteristic of a punk band. Mm -hmm. Like they. The musically, like they're very much just punk uh, musicians, just good ones on instead of you know being the trash ones that some people are. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's fair, and I, that's actually a pretty good segue into the lyrical review. Um, and it's extremely politically driven. Um, is the one of the things is that I really notice is how much the lyrics talk about kind of like the general public. Um, and we really just don't have the power and just kind of this idea of like trying to stand up to the power and mm -hmm. try to try to make your voice heard. Um, so that was uh, something I really noticed going through the, the yeah, and, and this is the same kind of trope that Rise Against has used on their last four records, too. Mm -hmm. Like it's lyrically the same as every Rise, Rise Against album beforehand. It's politically charged. It's unifying. It's inclusive. It's not bad lyric writing. It's just overdone to the point where i wish they would just try something new for once yeah and that, that that's definitely that's definitely makes sense um i can't remember the name of the um one of the the singles they had but it again it just sounds like something that could have absolutely been on this record and it, it is really disappointing because it's there's just not the evolution yeah you, you could genuinely mix and match anything between like this album end game wolves uh, appeal to reason you can mix and match any of those songs and they're all gonna flow correctly into the same album mm -hmm. 
and, and that's that's really my biggest complaint with this album is it just it does nothing different than what came before like yeah the only thing really here that i noticed was that, mu- that musically speaking like mckelrath's vocal delivery is honestly one of my favorites on this album as opposed to the previous albums like i just feel like he's actually stepped up i, I shouldn't say actually stepped up I, he's, he's stepped up even further um, mm-hmm. on his vocal delivery and i feel like it's it's definitely heard on this album yeah but outside of that like if I were to take the first track numbers and throw it onto Appeal to Reason or throw it into Endgame or uh, really any album that came before it, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference that it was from a different album or not. Yeah. And I feel like that's usually not a good sign. Yeah, no, and I can agree with that. Um, just to clarify, um, I know we've referenced the vocalist a couple of times, but a uh, quick uh, shout out to the band lineup. We have Tim McIlrath on lead vocals as well as rhythm guitar. We have Zach Blair on lead guitar and backing vocals. Um, Joe Prasip. Um, I may be pronouncing your name incorrectly, so sorry about that. But uh, we have Joe on bass guitar and backing vocals, and then we have Brandon Barnes on drums and percussion on this one. Yes. And then um, also, before we get into the track-by-track breakdown, I do want to talk about the album artwork here. Uh, So this album art shows a series of blank TVs to give the impression of emptiness, nothingness, or the lack of comfort. Uh, It's uh, an array of 16 TVs, two rows, uh, uh, excuse me, three rows of four and two rows of two. Um, Matt, how are you feeling on this one? It's, I kind of, the the first thing I got the impression of, and especially after kind of looking at it with the lyrical content, is this idea that, you know, we're, we're so, um, we're so drawn by our screens, whether it be a television screen, a computer screen, or even our phones. Um, and it almost gives this idea where, you know, the things that we're, um, we're really taking in with these screens is it's empty, um, which is characterized by the blank screen. So it, it almost feels a, a – the best explanation is what you're watching is nothing. And it, it basically there's – no, there's no substance to it. And it, that's what kind of I was getting – at least vibe-wise I was getting off the record. Okay. Yeah, I, I was unsure of the significance of the 16 TVs in that particular mm-hmm. array. Um, so – and it's not – indicative of any sort of art style that rise against has really done beforehand um yeah when looking at this i just couldn't help but think that it was just overdone so like the the use of like a staticky or a blank tv has just i feel like it's been kind of one of those things that we've seen used since like the mid 2000s mm-hmm. and so like I mean, the the big one that comes to mind is skillet's comatose okay like that one was all about that and unplugging and seeing the large staticky tvs and stuff like that but we see it in like music videos from bands like 12 stones and uh bands like trapped and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, and down with trapped side tangent <laughs> uh, <laughs> fair fair but i just feel like this it comes i don't know 15 years too late like it really was a low-hanging fruit and even then it wasn't even a fruit that meant to that really belonged on this album because this album really kind of goes hand in hand with uh, fighting against authority and standing up being the underdog and kind of how we are need to unite to stand against the people who are holding us down mm-hmm. and i guess the screens can play into a part of that but there isn't really a, a, the only track that would significantly discuss something like that is broken dreams incorporated and yeah. I, I, I'll discuss into that further, but like that's the only one that really has any remote significance along mm-hmm. with the album cover. So I really feel like it's just kind of out of place in comparison with like what they've done with their other album covers and stuff like that. Yeah, and it might be just that they were trying to to create a, some sort of a narrative with it, um, and it, it just didn't quite meet the mark. 
Um, so I that definitely kind of seeing that what you're what you're meaning there. Yeah, and then one other thing too with that is here in 2021 we don't see static TVs. No, like that that's just that's a thing of the past anymore. Unless you have a tube TV sitting at grandma's house, like if you were to turn on any TV anymore, they're either gonna be just have like a digital screen saying no input mm-hmm. or they're going to like open up to a smart screen TV. Like the yeah. static television is non-existent yeah, anymore. Yeah, no, agreed. Well, and I mean, if you look at the TVs on the cover as they look like they were probably out in the like 1990s. Which is <laughs> so fine they- and all, but like at the same time, like there's a solid chunk, like especially with the, the folks that this album was written with in mind, mm-hmm. they don't know what that is. No. They, they haven't really experienced that. And, and especially as we get into this, the lyrical content really revolves around the millenn- uh, early, excuse me, later millennials and Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not something that they're really going to be comfortable or familiar with. Like you and I are kind of the last bout of that would be able to remember that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and being familiar with a lot of those those things that our parents would be like, you you kids don't know what this is. Like um, rewinding uh, VHS tapes yep. or rewinding actual music tapes for the C uh, for the radio is like that's something that people younger than us typically don't know about and it's like the only ones that may know what it is is within probably a year or two younger than us and that's not much yep and then just before we get into the track by track here on this last little bit of tangent i saw something that made me feel really old the other day and it was our generation is the last generation to not have photos taken on a phone as as like children <laughs> oh yeah, we're, we're like one of the last few like age groups that that didn't have their our primary and like grow, growth photos taken on a cell phone. It, it was actually done on like uh, film cameras and digital cameras yeah, and stuff Polaroids. like that, but not on, not on phones and wow. whatnot. Yeah. So there's that fun a little bit. Anyway, let's go ahead and uh, get back to music. What this podcast is entirely about and not about uh, two millennials finally realizing their age. Uh, <laughs> Please don't remind me. <laughs> my joints remind me enough, my dude. So then uh, we'll go ahead and start off with the first track, Numbers. Matt, how you feeling on this one? The first thing, I actually quite like this one. Um, it's a really good start, and it brings the energy. Um, the first thing I thought of is once the, the song actually kicked in is I was immediately reminded of Riot Era Paramore, mm-hmm. um, which is really where the biggest introduction for me to pop punk um really really enjoyable how it goes from um that faster punk influence verses into the the more anthemic chorus um and it was honestly just catchy really all the way through um i might have to put this as a contender for my favorite record or favorite song on the record um and and if not it's tied between one of the later songs Fair enough. I also want to clarify that when Matt says pop punk, he doesn't mean like actual pop punk. He's meaning pop influenced punk, uh, <laughs> just because those are two very different things. <laughs> that, this is also fair. I mean, if you if you look at um, like Paramore, especially that early days, is it's a lot more on the pop side, but it's just got it got enough of the punk. Yeah, it has enough of the it. grit and the edge, but it's not something along the lines of like the 2008 pop punk where it's like uh, Al- Alistair or. Uh, Goldfinger or well, mm-hmm. Goldfinger is more Scott, but uh, like uh, Blink One Eighty Two and those kind of guys. Like it's not that pop punk, or it's not the later versions of it with like Neck Deep and Story So Far. But it's just like pop influenced punk to kind yeah. of take off the edge, the unsanitary edge that punk oftentimes brings, and makes it a little less palatable for the general public. Yeah, so for I just sure. want to kind of clarify that. But um, yeah, so the that album starting off with like the old Russian recording was kind of definitely a euphemism that I thought was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just like winds down, stripped chord break into the full instrumental. 
Um, it's a decent start to the to the album, and it comes in full swing with no question about what the song is and what's to be expected from the rest of the album. Yeah. The, the song follows the same trope of Rise Against about being under an oppressive source and how long it will take before we rise up and fight back. Musically, it follows the same Rise Against formula. Like The formula works for them. They have it down pat, but I'd like them to change it up a bit. Yeah, no, and it, this is definitely something that we, we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast, and... I think, unfortunately, is a lot of the bands that are very radio rock successful is we see that they find their um, they find their style and they find their formula and they just stick with it. Another band I can immediately think of that does it is Seven Dust is one that we <laughs> haven't talked about. Um, their most recent record, um, I can't remember the name of it offhand, but I sat there and I listened to it and I was like, it's just the same formula for, what was it, I think 11 songs, I want to say. Uh, but this was also a re- the record that came out like two, three years ago. But still, I'm like, this is kind of lame. And, you know, especially with Rise Against not really fluctuating from it mm-hmm. is, is extremely disappointing. Yeah. Other than that, though, like like I said, it's a decent song. Like, it just a standalone by itself. The album and this song in particular are, are good songs. It's mm-hmm. just we'd want to see something a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of something different, we uh, jump into the next song, Sudden Urge, a song about if the system can be reformed or if it needs to be torn down and rebuilt, according to McGillrath in an interview to Apple Music. How are you feeling on this one, Matt? I'm going to give you some advice. Mm-hmm. If you're throwing a party... I'm throwing a party. Don't invite a guy named Kyle. Because this song sounds like it was written by a guy named Kyle who just chugged an entire can of Monster, crushed the can against his skull, yeeted it into the neighbor's backyard, and then yeeted himself through a wall and then wrote this song. The more I listened to this song, the angrier I got. I genuinely was so mad. Like, can you, I, I, I understand, uh, I feel like, like I want to actually break out my cargo short. Like I want to break out my cargo shorts, rip them off into my like USA one, uh, my USA boxers and just run around chugging monsters. I hate the song. I just have that. It was kind of a boring track and I wasn't a huge fan of it. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I was not ready for it to elicit that I kind was, of response from I you. Would, dude, the more – this is probably the the record, I at least of the podcast we've done, I think this is the record I've ended up listening to the most. And it's partly just completely accidental. The more I listen to the song, the more I hated it. This is a, this is scraping bottom. I just – no. All right. So um, before Matt blows a gasket here, we'll go ahead and move on to the next song. What do we got next, Matt? Uh, this one is Nowhere Generation, which is the, both the title track as well as the first single on the record. Um, and especially for, you know, if you haven't listened to anything else on the record and this was literally your first exposure to this upcoming music, is it sets a good tone for what to expect with the new record. Rise Against. Yeah, honestly, this is the most envelope-pushing song on the record. Mm -hmm. Like, just in terms of, like, their overall writing and styles and everything like that. Like, it actually does change things up and the way that they use their chord structures and everything like that. And I I enjoy that. My biggest pet peeve with this song is the fact that they use the lyrics, We Are the Kids. uh, What what is it? Uh, We Are the Kids That No One Wants. Like, everyone in Rise Against is over 40. They are not kids. It's I understand they're t- that they're like this song is written in response to talking with like millennials and Gen Zers like yeah. about the issues that they're feeling and whatnot. But Rise Against is not kids. They're <laughs> trying to get the clout with all the TikTok kids. I, I, 
I, I got. I think this one's higher up on my list of pet peeves in in lyrical writing. Okay. Uh, it, it's higher than talking about singing a song about songing a sing. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and you do not like. I that do not trope like at all. I I just. <sighs> Is this where Gabe blows a head gasket? No, because I actually like the song for the rest of the song. <laughs> but th- that part alone, like every time I hear it, I'm just like, not a kid. Uh, yeah, no, and honestly, the more once you pointed that out, I kind of was like, oh, I I looked at the song completely different after that, and I I hadn't realized like I kind of knew that Rise Against had been around for a while. I didn't realize they had been around that while. Yeah, um, well, I mean, like the, the the band's over twenty years old at this oh, point, yeah. and then all the guys in it are at least forty, mm-hmm. and the song could have the exact same meaning if they just didn't have that in there, and they could just say that we are the ones that no one wants. Yeah. Like, Cause then at, that's at least, an easy fix. <laughs> yeah. Cause then it's almost like, you know, it, especially trying using the, we are the kids that no one wants is it makes me think of the meme where it's a uh, Steve Buscemi and he's like, Hey, fellow kids. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's what they're tr- like. They're trying to be like, you know, we're 40 year old guys, but we're like actually kids. But at the same time, it's like, but you're over 40. Like, I, I'm sorry, but there's an aspect where you're just not a kid. And, like, you kind of have to. And I understand that, like, that's not the angle that they were taking on the song. The angle is really more from the viewpoint of, of a younger generation, yeah. which is what the song is really about. But it really came off more along the lines of, uh, uh, it comes across more of the lines of, like, Avril Lavigne, where when she did mm-hmm. Hello Kitty, like, that song was, like, about slumber parties and sounded like she was talking about when she was 17 and reality when she was, like, 31 when she sang that song. I like, forgot that was even it. Honestly, there's some times where I forget Avril Lavigne exists. Yeah, and honestly, there, like, that's guys... one of those times where I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exists. honestly, like, if, for the listeners, if you want to go ahead and just ruin your evening, morning, or day, whatever it is, go listen to Hello Kitty <laughs> by Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Not only is it a terrible song, it was also produced by Chad Kroger. Yeah, that combination was just terrible. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's really all I've got on Nowhere Generation. Do yeah, you have no, anything else further? There's not really um, anything else other than, like, this was my first exposure to the record, thanks to, um, you know, the terrestrial radio. But, um, you know, that's just more a little sidebar for just giggles. Um, next up, we do have Talking to Ourselves. And uh, holy crap, is this two early 2000s pop punk? <laughs> I was getting some old school pop punk vibes on this Again, one. Matt, you're talking about a different pop punk. <laughs> I, okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I'll allow that one. Yeah, this one, the subject matter of the song felt so much angrier than the song actually was. Like, mm-hmm. musically, it's a softer song for Rise Against, outside yeah. of, like, being an acoustic track or something like that. But lyrically, the song is addressing trying to wake up folks who aren't listening and those who are radical, or and those feeling like radicals are controversial figures, according to Tim in his interview with Apple. Like, okay. The song in its own right is fine, but the clash of musical and lyrical content just rubs me the wrong way. Really? Yeah. Like the the song, like the musically, that's fine. Lyrically, it's fine. You put them together, and it rubs me the wrong way. Just because it's such a emotion filled song that I feel like it needs to be angrier. Because like it, it's one of those things where it's like you're just trying to shake somebody awake, trying to get them to understand. Hey, we have an issue here. We have a problem. Yeah. This is something that needs to be fixed. It's a desperate time. It's a desperate measure. And the song just feels like, hey, buddy, hey, just we we got a problem wake up anytime oh, like, that, that, like that that's the vibe that i get from it it's like it's like the consoling dad is like hey kid yeah like like the way that this song is is like the uh the video that um, i think steve terryberry did on youtube mm-hmm. where he's doing like 
acoustic death metal. I think I've seen where that. it's very clearly angry music, and like yeah. that's the whole intent written behind the the music that they've done. But at the same time, like it, the ju- juxtaposition between that and the the actual music just changes it so much. And I feel yeah. like that's where the, this one loses itself. One of the things is, uh, as I was listening, I don't know what it was, but the song reminded me a little bit of Green Day. Um, and I, I can I'm, see that. Yeah, and that might be. That might be a little bit more like the pop punk I was referencing sure. is because they're they're a little bit more on the p- getting a lot of vibes of them here. Um, again, I just I don't know how I can really put my finger on it. Um, but this one might end up actually landing in my top three favorite. Um, and really? I think, honestly, this one, <laughs> it, it's it's enjoyable to listen to. And it's one of the catchier songs. Um, lyrically, I mean, I, the, the material is pretty straightforward. It's something we've seen quite heavily and not just rise against, but with other bands. Um, but this is also the most recent single from the record and it has gotten a music video. So that speaks something to kind of what, um, what the song is for this record. I don't care. I don't like it. Now we're going to go ahead and move on to Broken Dreams Incorporated, which I did reference a little bit earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this one's my favorite one on the record. Okay. Yeah, and, th- and this one is probably the most punk song on the record. I mean, if you just listen to the guitar riffs and mm-hmm. the drums, it very clearly screams punk. This song honestly feels like a rehashed version of Disparity by Design off of Endgame, uh, which is their 2011 record. Okay. Um, like, I, I can show it to you later on, but like it, it is like the beginning sounds the same, where it has just kind of like these uh, feedback guitars and coming in, the drums break in, and it goes into the full riff, and then like mm-hmm. there's these uh, cool guitar lead that comes in, and then it just goes into the rest of the song. Like it, it just it feels like Disparity by Design, okay, which I like that song a lot. So I, I guess that uh, kind of feeds to itself here, okay. That's but it's fair. just I don't I don't know. I just feel like it's just a rehash of older material, and I'm. I, I I take issue with that just because they're not doing anything new. Yeah, and 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 it's, it's a very common theme that we've we've definitely been talking about over the record. And honestly, this is not the last song that we're going to bring it up. <laughs> um, this one is, I I will I did note here the verses were a little bit slow for punk. I mean, if you kind of think of like the some of the early stages of punk and really stereotypical, um, but it it do, it really does fit. Um, and I think this one is actually the this is actually the contender for my favorite song, and it's pretty much tied with the numbers. Yeah. Um, so I, you, you and I are definitely in agreement with this being one of the best songs. On yeah, that. and I also really like numbers too. Um, mm-hmm. and, and at risk of going on another tangent here, like if you were to hand rise against to a like a a diehard punk fan, like yeah, they're gonna hate it. Yeah, like the punk is such a polarizing uh, music genre. Like it's it's almost worse than deathcore elitists. Um, solely for the fact that like it's punk or die, and if you don't punk, then you die, kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I I can't argue with that. I've I've definitely seen it. Yeah, and, and so when we use these terms, punk and pop punk, like it's it's used pretty loosely because genre is very fluid, and, and yeah. it's we can assign labels to it all day long. But at the end of the day, it's still a rise against record, and rise against takes elements from other things but they're still rise against just as bad brains is always going to be bad brains bad religion is always going to be bad religion and so on um but then we go ahead and lead into the next track forfeit um this one is also a contender for my favorite song on the album really um i think that this is honestly one of uh, tim McElrath's best vocal performances ever 
Oh, hands oh, down. Wow. Okay. Like I just, it, it, it's vocally his peak on the album for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just the emotion and power absolutely are felt. And it's a solid addition to the band's acoustic lineup along songs like Swing Life Away and Hero of War. Um, and it's melodically really good. And uh, lyrically, it's a fairly uplifting song as well. Okay. So I found this to just be the obligatory stripped down song for You're a rock record. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, like, and I, I definitely noticed how Tim really showed off a bit vocally. Um, it's just as I was listening to it, I just found myself wanting the song to be done. Like I really, I really didn't see outside of Tim's vocal performance. I really didn't see anything out of this song that really was like, I like, th- like you know, something that was like, this is pretty cool, or like, I can at least enjoy this. Like I just didn't really feel that fair enough i disagree (laughs) but fair enough (laughs) (laughs) next up we do have monarch um which i actually found very similar vibe uh vibe wise to broken dreams incorporated yeah definitely like this is just a straight rise against punk song all the way Mm -hmm. through like it breaks it up a little bit uh in the bridge of the song and then just it still has like the speed and ferocity throughout the entire way yeah um, at the end of the day, though, it's still just a rehash of older material. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and this one is kind of in a similar way as you kind of brought up is I definitely like very much the punk vibes in the um, this kind of the speed, but it never slows down quite like Broken Dreams Incorporated did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it de- very much kept the tempo going. Um, and I actually wouldn't be surprised if this were played at shows, just, that, you know, to, especially with support of the record. And I wouldn't be surprised to see this as a single. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would definitely be expected uh, of that as well. Yeah. Um, it's a solid song and it just, yeah, that's really all I got yeah, for it. Honestly, that's about <laughs> it as well. Uh, then it jumps into the song "Sound Like." Um, it's, a, it's a song about living in the moment. That's all I've got because this song was so boring to me. <laughs> so, the, my notes for this song, as well as the next two songs, are pretty much going to be the same. Because here's what ended up happening. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk you through. I was listening to this at work. Okay. I was listening to the record. Seems fine. Okay. Sounds like starts, and I go and I'm listening, and suddenly I space out, and then I'm just in the middle of sooner or later. And I'm like, oh, cool, this is fine. And then I space out again for whatever reason, and then suddenly I'm in middle of a dream. And I couldn't tell you that one song ended and the other one began. It, it's just they blended together. Like, this is probably the most stereotypical Rise Against stuff but not in the good way. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, this just it really has no value to me. Mm-hmm. Um I yeah, like I said I've gotten really nothing more on this one. Um I do have stuff to say on sooner and later though, so we'll go ahead and jump into that. Yeah. Um I actually really like the beginning of the song. Um the organ chords setting the tone for the song and the message of the song is straightforward. Like it's just what you sow, reaping what you sow and uh planning ahead for the next steps can lead us to success or inevitable failure. Mm-hmm. Um on this one, I honestly think the verses are the best part of the song. Okay. Um, which is kind of abnormal for most music. Yeah. Um, but like, I I, I feel like the, the above the of those three that you mentioned, like this is the least boring of them, and okay. we also get a little bit of treat of of hearing McElrath screaming again. Yeah. Um, which was I honestly was a really nice touch. Yeah. Which I mean, all four seconds of it that we got on the record, but I'll take it because better than three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I feel like this one was a solid offering on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh. But like you said, it's sandwiched in between sound like in middle of a dream. I feel like it did kind of get lost in its place there. Mm-hmm. I feel like it didn't have a chance to shine because it was over outdone by the mediocrity of sounds like and middle of a dream. And yeah. th- that's really what I have to say on middle of a dream as well. Like 
The chorus is the most redeeming factor. It's a mediocre song. It holds no real joy in my heart. The, yeah. As Marie Kondo would say, this does not spark joy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, actually. <laughs> so I remember when I actually sat down and was looking at the the songs individually, and I was actually trying to take a moment to actually put notes together for each song, and I was like, okay, consciously I knew this is this song, this is this song, and I knew exactly where everything was, is the beginning, I was worried that it was going to be another stripped-down song because of uh, uh, the, the way it was set up. Um, but the chorus brings in, and and wait for it, the typical Rise Against sound. Whoa. Whoa mind-blowing. <laughs> um, the, really, the, the chorus and the screaming vocals, I think, were the best thing that it had to offer. Um, outside of that, it was skippable. Um, and then I'll just kind of jump into my middle of a dream notes. Um, it again just feels like Rise Against. It's, it sounds like something I heard in 2013. Um, and it was actually one of the, f- the first time I very notably knew that it was Rise Against that I was listening to. Um, but it also sounds like a song that could have been done by the Offspring, except Offspring probably would have done it better. Like, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of like two songs, the Offspring has two songs, and uh, <laughs> like I don't know, I can't tell you what it is, but there was something that just felt very Offspring about this one, and I don't, I, I don't know what it is. Same, same with the the song earlier that reminded me a lot of Green Day. I can't put my finger on why. But it's like the first thing I thought of was Offspring, and I just kept thinking Offspring while I was listening to this one. And to be fair, like I've listened to this record probably six, seven times now. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell you what this song is like. If you were to play it, like I might recognize it, but like right now, I can't even genuinely think of it. Like that's how forgettable this song was. The the chorus, the reason like I can I can think of it right now is because narratively is it seemed really weird kind of compared to everything else um i don't know if you're from paramore um are you familiar with i believe it's uh brick by boring brick yes it felt a lot like the narrative from brick by boring brick but in the chorus of this one so i thought that was a little weird um and i think that's part of the reason why it stuck out so much is because there was that familiarity and i was like okay this is at least something that i can gravitate to and it's not completely alien to me yeah no i 100 percent see that um, next up, and the final song of the record is Rules of Play. What you got, Chief? So this song, thematically speaking, is a solid closer for the album. Mm-hmm. Like, McElrath said in his interview with Apple, Pod- or Apple Music that, um, that like every song in this album is really more of a question on society and kind of like it's not really an answer. It's not a roadmap. It's just, hey, we're posing this. This is something that we need to think about. Whereas this one here is just more kind of like straight matter of fact. Like it's life as a game. It's inconsistent rules and constant mistakes that we make to set us back further and further. And it, it sits in line lyrically with the political issues uh, that they discuss throughout the album. But mm-hmm. it's really just more of a summation of those issues and how one feels dealing with life in accordance with those rules, those issues, and those pain points. Yeah, And uh, that, we, that we all feel them while we're trying to not crumble in a system designed to oppress you. Yeah. And so 
lyrically, it I, I honestly like from front to back on this song, I actually really like this one. Um, I feel like this is one of the redeeming qualities of the album, and it really does sum up the album really well. Yeah, and and this one is I like how this one was able to separate itself from the last couple, um, and especially after where the last couple of songs really had that umph behind it. Um, having this was nice. I I would like to hear more stuff like this by the band. But like, well, let me a, show you about all of the last five albums just, they've done. Just like add a <laughs> breakdown, man. Just put a breakdown. Put something in there to just add something new. Is like that's that's really been my biggest gripe with it. Is it's just there's a lot of it where if you look at just the the writing style of each song and you look at the numbers next to Middle of a Dream or even um, Broken Dreams, Inc. next to Rules of Play, is there's just too many similarities in regards to how the writing was done that it doesn't have... They, they don't give really have any identity from, from anything else on the record. Anything else... Any identity... In regards to like, there's they're not including anything significant. Like, yes, we saw some solos here on the record, but we weren't seeing the the big like big blowing up kind of solos like we've seen on some other records we've reviewed. Um, throw in a solo, throw in a breakdown, throw in some more screaming vocals. Maybe do like even if it's a line, Matt, just give us something, man. They're they're a punk band, not a core band. They don't do breakdowns. That's not a thing in punk. <laughs> <laughs> give me breakdowns or give me death. Okay, so it's clear that we listened to the wrong album for Matt this week. Uh, <laughs> um, but that is going to go ahead and wrap up the track-by-track track breakdown on Nowhere Generation. Uh, Matt, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, where are you at on this one? I try, I've try. i been trying to avoid halves, like .5s. Good. I'm, I'm proud of you. So the, the reason, like, I wanted to put this one higher because I was able to at least listen through it fairly easily, and especially compared to some of the other records we've done, is this was a lot easier to listen to. Escape the Fate 2024. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> but the only thing is, is it's, after I'd listened to this enough times, like, I just was getting burned out. So that, that was really kind of killing the record for me. Um Right now, the I'm kind of I kind of settled on a four point five, but I think I'm gonna have to drop it to a four. It's it's too similar to the singles I've heard before, and while I w- enjoyed listening to it for for the sake of reviewing the podcast, it's just something I don't anticipate looking to come back to. If it comes on the radio, I'm not gonna turn it off. But outside of that, I I really don't plan to return to this one. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm in the same boat as you there. I, I have mine my rating as a as a four as well. Like it's a mediocre album. It does what Rise Against does well. Like it's not a bad album by any means, but it doesn't bring anything new to the table. And so like in terms of the band's discography, like it's just there. It yeah. it doesn't really do anything else. Like I, I, I see Endgame or Appeal to Reason as like their total peak of albums. Like that's when Rise Against became Rise Against and yeah. they had uh things like uh Make It Stop or Disparity by Design, Midnight Hands, uh, Re-Education Through Labor, Hero of War, like songs like that, like that were just kind of your core rise against. And mm-hmm. this feels just like they're trying to recapitalize on that same formula again. And I feel like they're missing the mark because they're not adding in anything else to spice it up. Yeah. Like they meal planned with their last seven albums and they're all the exact same thing. And by album <laughs> seven here, like it's just, 
it's it's mush. It, it's the same chicken and rice. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't argue with that. So that is it for the breakdown, uh, track by track, as well as the rating of the Rise Against Nowhere Generation record, um, again, released on June 4th. Um, and right now, what we like to do is the hidden track, where we talk about something in the realm of music that may not be related to the uh, record that we just did a review of. And I want to start off by talking about the new song by the band Lorna Shore called To the Hellfire. And Gabe... That might have been one of the most disgustingly heavy things I've heard in my entire <laughs> life. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that the new Lorna Shore vocalist, I don't think that he is fully human. I'm pretty sure he is an experimentation out of a lab that combined him with like a porcupine, a weasel, a ferret, and a jaguar. <laughs> yeah, no, on, and, and it's like, so... I I would 100% recommend listening to this song, and there are, I think if you look at it, is there are three distinct breakdowns through it, and every one of them somehow gets even heavier and just even really scarier, because there there's no way sound should be generated from both guitars as well as the human vocal cords. Yeah, exactly, and like, after... Uh, CJ McCreary was let go from the band. Like I was concerned because of how distinct and interesting his voice was. I, I was a fan of Sign of the Swarm prior to him yeah. uh, moving to Lorna Shore, and so that was uh, just kind of. A, I feel like it was a cohesive move for them. And when it came out that he was a trash human being who deserves to kind of get waffle stomped into a into a curb, yeah. um, I was concerned for the band's sake. And then um, they they brought on the, their new vocalist and just otherworldly because like yeah. originally he was just a session vocalist for him and then this song was the one where they announced that he was going to be the new vocalist and could not be happier with the yeah. decision. Like, and I believe the gentleman's name is Will Ramos. Yes, as I that believe is from what what I was looking at. And it's the 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 thing about his vocals and the part where kind of locked in the fact that I was absolutely stoked about it is at the end where it sounds like he's squealing like a pig and then he snar <laughs> he snarls like this, this like he he snarls like this wolf with rabies that's literally just hasn't eaten in a week and then he proceeds to squeal like a pig snarl pig squeal snarl and then comes into this just I don't know what sounds he was creating. Like I, there's no way that should be humanly possible. No, absolutely not. Like what his, his vocally, he sounded like what I feel like an ulcer would sound like. <laughs> <laughs> that okay, I yeah. like that. I, I, I can get behind it. Um, and and honestly, I could probably sit here and just lose my mind over this song. Gabe, what do you got this week? Uh, this week, I want to talk about the new Disentomb single. Uh, so right. Disentomb is a band akin to old death metal bands. So like beginning in the early 90s with like Obituary and Cannibal Corpse and those kind of guys. Okay. Um, they released, uh, so they're, they're a fairly new band. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they first released an album back in like 2013, which is new in terms of this style of death metal. Oh, yeah. Um, so they released a song on June 10th called uh, Cystic Secretion. Um, yeah, it, like it's 
like if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're a fan of old school death metal, like you're gonna enjoy this song. I I thought that this was a really cool song. Um, it had a lot of really good melodic elements to it, which is kind of funny to say for a death metal song. Yeah. Like a true death metal song. And um, yeah, I just, I, I really enjoyed the song front to back. I am definitely excited for the new album. I believe that it's going to be released towards the end of this year. I oh, don't sweet. know. I okay. don't know if it's one that we'll do a review on, depending on how it is when it comes out and kind mm-hmm. of what else comes out towards the end of the year, because the end of the year seems to like it's going to be filling up soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, I definitely recommend the song. I recommend the band uh, wholeheartedly. Like they just do a really solid job for uh, a death metal band. Okay. Yeah, no, I'll definitely have to check them out. I definitely know them by name, but I um, just haven't really dug into their material too much. Um, but that is it for this episode of the TentacleBot podcast. Um, we do appreciate you guys listening. Um, you can find us on Podbean, Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Music and Spotify. Um, please do like and rate us and subscribe where you do get your podcasts. Um, it would be much appreciated because we both would love to be able to do this professionally and be able to just geek out about music. Give us week. money. Please. <laughs> <laughs> um, and honestly, we will catch you in the next one where we are going to be reviewing the new record by the band Wrist Meat wrist meat razor which is called replica of a strange love and until then we'll catch you later see you later